Happy New Year, friends. It's now 2017. Today I'm going to finish a three-part message series I started a few weeks back on um, three little words. And the three little words we're looking at are really not so little. They are faith, hope, and love. Before Christmas, I said that hope may be the most misunderstood of the three, but the fact is that they're all pretty much misunderstood because we all tend to think of these three words as feelings, when in reality, they're all about action. In week number one, we saw that faith isn't something you feel. Faith is the process of aligning your thoughts and words and deeds with the Word of God. In week two, we saw that hope isn't a feeling you get, but a choice you make to be a bull among bears to keep fighting for God's best in your life, even when you may not, even when you may feel like giving up. Today, as we talk about love, it shouldn't surprise you at all when I say that, contrary to what you see in the movies or hear in popular music, love is not a feeling. Love is something you do. In today's message, I want to demythologize our notions of love and clarify what love really is, according to the Bible. And to do that, we're going to look at 1 John chapter 3. And there are four clarifications about love I want to make today. Here's clarification number one. Love is a non-negotiable fundamental of the Christian life. Let's say that again. Love is a non-negotiable fundamental of the Christian life. Listen to John now in verse 11 of his third chapter. He says, This is the message you've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Now, doctrine is certainly necessary. Knowledge of the truth is necessary. Faith, obedience, holiness, these are all necessary. But one level higher on the ladder of the Christian life is love. Like 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, the greatest of these is love. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels and didn't have love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Yes, over the years we've tried to make the Christian life about many different things, like how you dress, how you vote, how you worship, how you spend your money, what kind of music to sing, should you have an organ, should you have a band, how well you do the do's and don't the don'ts. I mean, these are all the matters that a Christian needs to consider because they're important to some degree. But we must always remember that the top step of the ladder will always be love. Jesus said, you, or John said, you have heard this message from the beginning. He's saying that since day one, the heart of the Christian message, the mark of true spirituality, is love. And he emphasizes this again in verse 23 when he writes, And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. This means that if you have been entertaining the idea that loving others is a secondary value, that theology or doctrine or politics or anything else is more important, then I'm hoping the truth of the word of God will jolt us all into reality and challenge us to accept this fundamental, non-negotiable precept of the Christian life, and that's love matters most. Love comes first. The greatest of these is love. That's the first clarification. Here's clarification number two. Love, or the lack thereof, reveals the state of your heart. Verse 14, if we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. 
Now, John here, uh, moved by the Spirit, say, is saying that love is the evidence of God's life within you. In his next chapter, he's going to say in 1 John 4, 7, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. And then in verse 8, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Did you get that? God is love. If we have been born of God, we will live a life of love. For this reason, love belongs at the top step of the ladder. And then again, in our text from chapter 3, John says something that we dare not ignore. It's in verse 15. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. <clears throat> now, if love is primarily just a feeling and you don't have that feeling, these verses would be pretty terrifying. Because they would seem to say that if you don't feel love, then you don't have God in your life. But as we'll soon see, it's not just the feeling that John is after. He's challenging us toward the idea of love in action. Love is a non-negotiable fundamental of the Christian life. Its presence or its absence reflects the state of your heart. In other words, love is the proof that God lives in you. In John 13:35, Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So love, or a lack thereof, reveals the state of your heart. That's why love is so important. Here's my third clarification. Love is demonstrated through sacrificial kindness. Now, we don't have to guess about what love looks like. We have a perfect image of love in the example of Jesus. John <clears throat> said in verse 16, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. And then he adds, so we ought also to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, <clears throat> friends, the fact that you will probably never be called upon to literally give up your life for someone else, that's kind of sacrifice you're most likely never be able to be, be asked to make. But I can tell you that you will, what certainly will happen, you will be called upon to give up a part of your life for someone else. You will be called upon to give up your time for someone else. You will be called upon to extend a helping hand. You will be called upon to give up your pride or to give up your right to be angry or your, to give up your impatience for the benefit of someone else. These are tough sacrifices to make because if you give up your life, literally, for someone else, it will make headlines. But when you merely give up your time for someone else, hardly anyone will notice. And yet this is the kind of sacrifice that the gospel calls us to make for one another. So here's the challenge. Think of the people you love the most. Now ask yourself, how am I demonstrating my love through sacrifice? Every relationship you have that is defined by love should involve some level of sacrifice on your part. This obviously applies to your family. It also applies to your friendships, and it applies to your church, and it applies to all those you profess to love. We must ask, am I willing to sacrifice for the good of others? Am I willing to lay down a part of my life for the good of others? John goes on in verse 17. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Now, friends, I know you don't have enough money to solve everyone's financial problems or to meet everybody's financial needs. That's not what this verse is about. But most of us do have enough to do at least something for someone in need. Love compels us to show compassion to those who are in need and to do what we can. 
Somewhere I read, faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. Now, love is demonstrated through generosity just as love is demonstrated through sacrifice. Now, most often the sacrifice we're called on to make is a sacrifice of time or a sacrifice of money. Now, your, your time is yours and your money is yours. And you can do with them as you please. But I'm going to tell you, if you're serious about living a life of love, love compels you to be willing to show sacrificial kindness to those whom God has placed in your life and even those he has placed in your path. This is the example we see in Jesus, and it's the example that the Bible challenges us to imitate. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So there you see, friends, God's love is demonstrated through sacrifice. Romans 5.8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Though he certainly didn't deserve it, he was willing to lay down his life for you and me. And he challenges us to do the same for one another. Now that doesn't mean that you'll be called upon to die for someone, but it does mean that you'll be called upon to live for others and give to others. Love is demonstrated through sacrifice. A relationship that costs you nothing is a relationship built on convenience and not love. And here's our fourth and final clarification. Love is an action, not an emotion. It's something you do, not something you feel. It's something you, you it goes way beyond that. Verse 18, dear children, let us not merely say that we love one another. Let us show the truth by our actions. A couple of weeks back, I quoted in one of these messages, James 2.18, that says, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. John is saying essentially the same thing. He's saying that we show our love through our actions. Now, we've been programmed the wrong way. We developed this idea that love is a feeling that may or may not lead to certain actions. But the feeling is really what it's all about. Recently, I heard about a man that insists he loves his wife in spite of the fact that he's been unfaithful. And he loves his family in spite of the fact that he spends almost no time with them. And in fact, he doesn't even provide for them very well, not because he's poor, because he's, but because he's selfish. Yet he insists, in my heart, I love them. Well, it doesn't take a real genius to figure out that's not love. I mean, someone challenges claim by saying, no, you, you don't really feel love in your heart or you wouldn't act that way. But that's taking the wrong approach, even though it's the approach that we've been programmed to take. It's based on the idea that love is a feeling that leads to actions. But feelings are not the point. It doesn't matter what this man feels or doesn't feel in his heart. What matters is what he does. Love is an action. Just like faith and hope are actions. James says, I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. John says, let's demonstrate our love through our actions. Your feelings, no matter how noble, don't benefit anyone other than yourself. The point of loving others is not that you get to feel all warm and fuzzy inside. The point of loving others is that you're willing to do good even if it costs you for the benefit of others. It's easy to see how this applies to our families. But let's think about how this applies to others that we're called to love. Do we love the lost? Then we need to consider what we're doing for those who haven't yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we love those who are poor or isolated or abandoned or hopeless? Then we need to ask ourselves, what are we doing to help them restore their lives? Do we love one another? 
then we need to ask ourselves what we're doing to demonstrate our love to one another. Do we love new people? Then we need to ask ourselves what we are doing to make our guests feel welcome in our midst. Verse 18 says, Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Love begins by asking the question, What can I do for you? Love becomes real when you follow through on that. Now we've talked for three weeks about faith, hope, and love. These are three qualities that will last forever. They're written in eternity. For this reason, they are qualities you need to aggressively pursue. Our goal is to become people grounded in faith, driven by hope, demonstrating the love of God in all that we do. Do you know what your greatest hindrance is? What keeps us from growing in faith and hope and love? I believe it's the idea that it's all about a feeling. That in the pit of your stomach or the depth of your heart you feel faith and you feel hope and you feel love. And maybe if the feeling is strong enough, something good will follow. But today I'm saying forget about your feelings and focus instead on what you can do. Even when you don't feel faith, keep expressing your faith through faithfulness until your thoughts, words, and deeds are fully aligned with the Word of God. And when you don't feel hope, when all hope is gone and there's nothing but despair, dare to keep fighting for God's best in your life. And even when you don't feel the kind of love you want to feel, put your feelings aside and forget about yourself and say instead to those whom God brings your way, what can I do for you? And remember, friends, love becomes real when you follow through. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.